Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Mean Old Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. So y'all, we are just churning through April. I hope that you guys and gals had an awesome Easter Sunday and Easter Monday as well. So Harrison thoroughly enjoyed Easter this year. And like last year, if you guys recall, he ended up catching COVID. We hosted Easter at the house. We had friends and family over and everybody got COVID from Mama Lisa, basically. <laughs> but uh but Harrison, so Harrison was sick as a dog that Easter week with like 102.9 to 104 degree fever. Man, um we are very blessed and thankful that he was doing well and thriving this year. So we have pictures in Marietta Square, uh, which has like a little area with a fountain and the train, uh the antique train that kids can slide on. He had his, his very own little Easter egg hunt in the backyard after those pictures and after church. And then Easter Monday, we decorated Easter cookies and he got icing everywhere, y'all. He had icing all of his shirt, icing on his hands, icing his hair. We had to literally take his shirt off and like hose it down so that we can then put it in the wash. Like that's how much fun he had with all the icing from decorating the cookies, which of course... So we kind of got on my nerves, but you know, he's cute while he's doing it. So you're like, ah, why not let him, right? At least, <laughs> at least just for the holiday. After that, we're like, this is not everyday occurrence. This is not everyday. Now, for some reason, every time he hears and goes somewhere, he gets toys. So we went to the flea market. They gave him a free toy. We went to some other shop and they were like, oh, we have some free toys in the back. Let's pull out some free Easter toys. So Harrison made out like a bandit this year. In addition to his aunts who are mailing him Easter baskets, of course, we did an Easter basket for him as well. And Harrison also got an Easter basket from Dr. Kendall Jefferson, who I know listens to the show. And she's also Harrison's pediatrician and a close friend. And so he had, I mean, three or four Easter baskets. So the boy is officially spoiled. Somebody come and get him. I'll ship him to you. Please don't ship him back because... The toddler age is a, a, a lot. Like, it, does anybody want to do toddler pearls for Dr. Plenty? That would be helpful. And since I've given pregnancy pearls, because nobody really prepared me for this toddler mom life. Anyway, so how did you guys celebrate Easter? You know, let me know about it. Tag me in your pictures. Tell me what you did. I love to see pictures of the babies dressed up in their Easter dresses. This week, we're going to go a little bit more serious and talk about genetics. So we haven't talked about genetics in a while, and I've had a couple of cases specifically about Turner syndrome. So I figured we would talk about that today. 
what is Turner syndrome, you may ask? So it's also called monosomy X. So remember that most of our cells, so we have 46 chromosomes in each cell, okay? You get 23 from dad and 23 from mom. If you're a girl, you got an X from dad and an X from mom. If you're a boy, you got a Y from dad and an X from mom. So when you have monosomy X, that meant that you did not inherit an X or a Y from dad, or you inherited the X from dad and didn't inherit the X from mom. Okay, so you have only one X chromosome instead of two X chromosomes or one X chromosome and a Y, okay? So it's a genetic disorder that occurs when you're missing that complete set of your sex chromosomes. Now, Turner syndrome can also occur if one of the sex chromosomes is partially missing or rearranged rather than completely absent. So if you have X and a piece of X, okay, then that is also Turner syndrome. Or if you have two X's in some cells and one X in some other cells, that will be Turner's mosaicism. So all your cells don't have the same genetic makeup. Some cells are missing some stuff, okay? Now, the syndrome affects about one in every 2,000 to 2,500 live female births and causes many traits and specific features. And the most common features of, of Turner syndrome are short in stature, abnormal ovarian development leading to premature ovarian failure. So these people, even if they did uh, have a period, they can end up going to menopause very early. And they can have birth defects, specifically skeletal defects, heart defects, kidney defects. They can have wide web-based necks, and swelling associated with blood pressure problems. Because remember, when you don't have estrogen, it can put you at risk for some bad things like arterial sclerosis and heart disease and all these things that almost like throwing you into a menopausal state, okay, if you think about it that way. Some people also have hormonal irregularities because of that. Because it's almost like throwing you into a menopausal state. You just don't have enough hormone created. And that can also include thyroid dysfunction. Now, most girls with Turner syndrome do have normal intelligence, although some can have mild learning disabilities. Some affected with, uh, with Turners actually have mosaicism, so they don't have true Turners. So uh, mosaic Turner syndrome, if you recall, can affect any cell in the body. So some cells have extra chromosomes and some don't. Remember when I said that? So every three out of 10 girls with actual Turner syndrome will actually have some form of mosaic Turner syndrome. And those with mosaic Turner syndrome tend to have less abnormalities and they can be average height and they can have less hormonal irregularities given that some of their cells do have a normal X expression and can then make normal sex hormones. Now, how do you detect this, right? How do I know if my kid has it? Nowadays, you can detect Turner syndrome on the NIPS or non-invasive prenatal screen is what that stands for. But this test cannot determine complete versus mosaic Turner syndrome. Okay. The test does carry a, a, a very low positive predictive value with only about 30% with Turner syndrome actually being true turners, okay? Now, mind you, the non-invasive prenatal screen people get because they want another gender early. 
the reason that it detects it is because you are finding out the gender. It is probing for X chromosomes or Y chromosomes or and the combination of both, okay? So that's how you know if you're having a boy or girl, okay? So it's not really meant for anything except for boy or girl, but since it's testing those chromosomes, it will say whether or not it thinks it has complete copies or incomplete copies of those chromosomes, okay? Now, we don't tell you to act on anything just by a non-invasive prenatal screen. So to confirm the diagnosis, patients can get one or two genetic screenings, okay? You can get what's called a chorionic velus sampling that can be done at 13, excuse me, 11 to 13 weeks and carries a 1 in 200, 300 chance of losing the pregnancy. Now, because it sample cells from the placenta, that's what CVS does. It's a placental biopsy, if you will. Sample the same cells that will flake off and enter your circulation through a non-invasive prenatal screen. It cannot rule out placental mosaicism, right? Because it's just testing placental cells. Genetic amniocentesis during pregnancy is the only thing that can rule out placental mosaicism. And this can also um, be done at any point in the pregnancy after the 16 weeks. And we have to wait till after the 16 weeks because we want fusion of those two layers that make up the gestational sac or the sac the baby's in to have fused, okay? When those two layers aren't fused, it's hard for us to introduce a needle without causing the membranes or the amnion, I mean, the membranes close to the baby to start sinking in as we try to get the needle through. So we don't ever want to struggle with the needle because that can cause blood to back up between the, those two layers um, and you not to be able to get into the cavity, get an amniocentesis. So we want to wait till after the 16th week for those layers to fuse to allow for introduction of the needle. I know that was complicated, but we're going to go to some cases. So now that we know a little bit more, medical intern, what's our first case now? Our first case is a 28-year-old who is 17 weeks pregnant with her first child. The patient has no medical issues, but on ultrasound, the patient has a small baby with two large cysts on the back of the neck. She has not had any genetic testing, but she states that there is no family history of genetic issues in her family. She was referred for consultation and a detailed fetal ultrasound. A lot of people, when they come with abnormal genetic screening tests, they say to me, well, Dr. Plenty, I don't have any family history of Turner syndrome or Down syndrome or whatever the syndrome is that you're screening positive for. Just remember that this is due to chromosomes not being passed down, okay? Meaning those chromosomes, you know, you're missing an X. So in some of those cells, there could be normal Xs and some they're, they're not. That has nothing to do with you passing it down, okay? So just because your family history is normal does not mean that you can't have a baby with Turner syndrome because it's not something that's passed from generation to generation. It's something that randomly happens when cells are being separated or cleaved and then joined together with your partner's um, cells, okay? Joined together with your partner's chromosomes. So it's not something that, oh, nobody in my family has it, so it must be false. No, 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 no. This is sporadic that it happens, okay? You're not passing Turner syndrome down from generation to generation. Rarely can somebody have some type of, you know, um, mutation where they're missing a piece of the X chromosome because the X chromosome is on the other chromosome X. Okay, X chromosome. So then when you pass down half of your genes, 
you're passing down that defective one or the one that has too much X. That's super rare. That's super rare to have that kind of balanced translocation, meaning all your genetic materials are there, but what's supposed to be over here by the X chromosomes is actually over on chromosome 17 or something. Like that kind of stuff rarely, rarely happens. So this is likely sporadic. So don't think of it like that. So the fact that you have no family history does not decrease your risk of having a baby with Turner syndrome. Now, the cyst on the back of the neck, the next thing you need done, your 17 weeks is to get an early genetic uh, ultrasound or a detailed fetal ultrasound. Where we look at the baby from head to toe to see if we see anything else that would increase our suspicion. Now, we talked about the common things that some babies with Turner syndrome have, but a lot of babies with Turner syndrome can also be completely normal. In this situation, this baby's ultrasound is a little bit more complicated in that the fetal neck has two cysts behind it. And when we see cystic structures in the neck, so between the bone and the skin line of that baby's head or neck, that is called a cystic hygroma. Okay. Cystic hygromas are pretty classic for something going on in terms of either blockage of lymphatics, like the lymphatic tissue that usually causes you to your body to make antibodies to fight off infection. You can have a blockage of, of lymphatic tissue, or you can have what's called a chylothorax, um, which is also um, uh, a, a buildup of lymphatics. Um, or this could be a cystic hygroma because it's related to one of the major genetic issues. The most common reason for a cystic hygroma would be Turner syndrome followed by Down syndrome. So if I see a cystic hygroma, I'm automatically going to want to work up those two things. The other thing that points that sticks out to me is that the patient, one, has not had genetic screening and was not counseled and told that she needed it. Um, two, if you get genetic screen, oh, two, the fact that you had a small baby um, with the large cyst. So small babies are, especially this early 17 weeks, are associated with a higher risk of having associated abnormalities genetically, okay? So early growth restriction is a big clue for a chromosome abnormality. But the biggest thing we have here is the cystic hygroma. So you need to be scheduled for a detailed ultrasound. I would also recommend genetic counseling to go through your family history a little more thoroughly and then genetic testing. So non-invasive prenatal screen is a really good test for detection of Down syndrome, trisomy 18, which is Edwards syndrome, and, and trisomy 13, which is Patel syndrome. But it can't rule out anything, right? So I would always recommend a genetic amniocentesis. That's when we clean the belly. We introduce a needle under ultrasound guidance into the uterus. We would draw the baby's fluid from that area, from the pocket, and then send that off for the baby's genetic makeup. Okay. That is what I would recommend in this case because we need to know definitively what type of genetic issue it is whether every cell is uh, has extra or missing chromosomes or whether it's partial, okay? Meaning some cells are normal, some cells are abnormal. The only way to know that during the pregnancy is with a genetic amniocentesis 
or you can wait until after you deliver and the pediatricians can test the baby from there. The case pearl for this case is cystic hygromas are classic findings for Turner syndrome. And they can also be associated with Down syndrome and other syndromes as well. All right, medical intern, we had a couple of email questions. What's our first one? This one says, Dr. Plenty, I took an NIPS, which returned suspicious for abnormal X chromosome, maternal in origin. The rest of the screen was low risk. What does that mean for me and my baby? For you, it means nothing, right? It means that you may have an issue with your X chromosomes, which may put you at increased risk for having issues with fertility, although you're pregnant right now. Um, And so you're not having an issue with fertility right now, okay? But it can put you at risk for it being harder later on. The other piece it means is that if they're, depending on what the abnormality is in the X chromosome, um, it could be that it's you that has the problem with your X. Now, mind you, that doesn't change who you are. You're still you. And a lot of things that we see with the sex chromosomes, because that testing is still being further developed, okay? We don't know a lot about gender testing here. That's why the likelihood that it, it is a true positive is lower, okay? So that's why we don't make any decisions from just the NIPS, okay? But if it's maternal in origin, it doesn't change who you are. So I had a patient that had and XY, like we got her tested because they saw suspicion of her sex chromosomes, likely maternal in origin. So we got her tested, just like you can get tested. And she found out that she actually had an X and a Y chromosome. Now, what does that mean when you have to tell the family, you actually X, Y? The woman's husband was looking at her like, what do you mean? Well, it means that she was born genetically a man. But there was some inactivation of the Y chromosome that only caused her to express the X. So looking at her on the outside, she developed like a woman. She developed breasts. She developed an ovaries, uterus. She developed, um, you know, vagina. Everything a woman would develop because the Y chromosome was inactive. Now, psychologically, it can have a toll, right? Because you now know you have a Y. Your husband now knows you have a Y. But it physically doesn't change who you are, okay? So when I see suspicion for abnormal X chromosomes maternal in origin, one, I do want to make sure it's maternal in origin. I do want to get genetic screening on the patient to see, make sure it's her. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change who you are. You're not going to change who you are by knowing your genetic makeup. Sometimes if somebody has sex chromosome abnormalities where they do have a Y, then we do need to do things like look for undescended testes that could have partially developed. Undescended testes can carry a risk of cancer of the pelvis. So we want to make sure those are removed. But other than that, there's no really further investigation we would need to do specifically with sex chromosome abnormalities. What does it mean for your baby? Well, if we test you and we realize that you're the person that has the abnormality on the Y on the X chromosome, then it means nothing for your baby. Okay. We want to make sure we confirm the gender of the baby um, during, you know, your anatomy ultrasound, if you will. But it's if it's you in origin, it's likely not going to have any effect on the baby, uh, the baby uh, himself or herself. So for me, if everything else was low risk, then it's a matter of getting you a 
genetic screen after the delivery so that you can know what your actual defect is, but it doesn't have any bearing on the outcome of the pregnancy. All right, medical intern, what's our last question? This one says, Dr. Plenty, I have a daughter with Turner syndrome who is now 17 years old. She now has a period, although it's irregular. Will she be able to have children when she's older? Everyone with Turner syndrome is a little bit different. There are some that have complete Turner syndrome and that don't even develop a uterus or ovaries. So obviously you can't have children if you have no uterus and no ovaries. However, with this patient, she does have a period. And a lot of people at 17, especially if you're athletic, may have irregular periods for the first couple of years after your period starts and it can be completely normal. However, this could also be a sign of streak ovaries, meaning small little residual ovaries that don't have complete function. So it really depends on how much what's called ovarian reserve she has. So she would need to be referred to a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist or an adolescent gynecologist, okay, which usually I would start with adolescent gynecologist to actually explore her pelvis and do an exam to see if she has a uterus and one cervix or if she has more than one uterus and more than one cervix to make sure she has both tubes and both ovaries. So then you do an ultrasound look at those things. And once they do an ultrasound look at those things, if they're normal, and she starts to ovulate regularly, meaning someone can put her on pills to ovulate her, then yeah, I mean, they could potentially help give her medicines to cause um, ovulation or even without it. If she has cycles that now regulate themselves, then yes, she can get pregnant. Okay. Specifically people with Turner's mosaicism, some of them do have normal reproductive function. So would be able to get pregnant. Um, but it, only time will tell. If she has premature ovarian failure, then all of a sudden she will be without a period for a prolonged period of time, which tells us she's not really ovulating. So most people with Turner syndrome have issues with fertility. Um, most have issues and can't have babies or may have a very hard time having a baby. But there are some that have regular cycles and do have enough reserve, meaning enough function of the ovaries that they can have a baby. But I do recommend some more thorough evaluation with an adolescent gynecologist. All right, medical intern, is that all of our cases? And she's shaking her head, yes. So you guys, thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pro's podcast. I hope you've learned a little bit more by this genetics uh, lesson with Turner Syndrome. If you've enjoyed the podcast, this episode or any other episode, Make sure to rate me and leave a comment and some feedback. I just love the feedback, you guys. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypros at gmail.com to your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pros. You can also make sure to catch up on the podcast episodes, you guys. If you want to see my beautiful face, you can also catch up on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pros with Dr. Penny for quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. 
Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.